can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the raven too comes from the green dragon. The battlefield must be held. The army controlling this area will have a great advantage in the days to come. Dominance can only be achieved by driving the enemy back from key points. Failure is not an option. That was Jeremy with the description for Domination. Of course, this is another episode of Scenario Spotlight, where we take one of the scenarios from the books, whether it be a points match, journey books, old white dwarfs even, anything from as far back as 2002. New white dwarfs when they publish new scenarios. Yeah, anytime, anywhere, we'll, if, you, if it's a scenario, we'll tackle it at some point. We'll be taking requests for these as well. But we're not going to listen to any of them. We might. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. We'll see. Not yet. It's our call, really. Anyway, I should introduce our guests and co-host for the day. Co-host with me today is Jeremy. Hello. And as our guest on the show today, we have Charles. Hi. And Caleb. What's up, guys? So, Domination. I absolutely love it. I think it's probably one of the best scenarios in the book. A really versatile scenario because you've got to sort of spread your force out, but you've got to make sure you've got enough people on each objective to hold it and stop your opponent from just offering you, like sending all his army at one objective. It's really strategically deep in that sense. Okay, before we go on there, our, our thoughts. Like quick thoughts and questions. No, no, I, I think we should explain what it is yeah. first. We're doing the domination scenario from the Hobbit rulebook, so that's at the moment our latest edition for it. Uh, it's one of the six like points match scenarios there. It's a common feature at tournaments, and basically you put down five objectives and get rack up points by holding the objectives, having models around them, killing a leader is there, and also breaking the enemy. And not so. being broken. Yeah, That's one the, of the things that um, is really quite different from this scenario as opposed to the other ones is the ways you can score points in the scenario. The ways you can score victory points. There's five objectives on the table. So there's your first five plus your lead kill and your break. So there's seven different ways you can accumulate points, which makes this one a bit more hands-on, I guess would be a... A word? Mixed bag. Of, uh, it gives it a I would actually call it two words with hands on. Lame. For sure. <laughs> Thanks, Caleb. <laughs> no, I'd say it's a mixed bag for sure. I have really good memories of domination. I also have really bad memories of domination. In terms of the scenarios, I think it is, as Charles said, very versatile. But just in terms of personal preference, it's not my favorite. So what works with the scenario and what, what doesn't work? So we'll start with what works. What is good about this scenario? What makes this scenario, well, a tournament scenario because it's it's used a lot at tournament and why do people gravitate to this one more than the others? I'm a fan of this one personally just because there are so many various ways of actually like getting points in it. There are also a few ways that you can sort of come from behind and get points if your opponent makes a little mistake. One time I was playing against uh, Danny and I was up against the rocks losing guys all over the place it was basically Gondor versus Gondor and then at the last turn I won priority called a heroic march with Berigond his one point of might got to an objective that got me three points cool. and uh, won seven nil or something because I managed to stop Danny from having any other points yeah it is definitely a scenario where uh, if you are behind you can come back and there are definitely scenarios where if you're quote-unquote losing it is quite hard to come back from. And whereas domination, it's off the cuff for sure. Yeah. I think uh, the other thing I quite like about this scenario is the clear definition of an endpoint. 
When once one force has been reduced to twenty five percent, the game ends at the end of that turn. No I random really rolls like or anything. The fact that it's really clear about when the game's going to end, you know exactly when the game's going to end. Yep. And you can plan with that. You can use those as a part of your strategy. Yep. You can even force, try and force that to happen. You know, sacrifice part of your army to try to make the game end earlier while you're still holding them. There's just really lots of different ways yeah. you can approach. It. Could well go the opposite way. Whereas if you're uh, behind a little bit and you want the game to keep going, well, you always don't want to get your force to be at 25 percent. They're trying yeah. to pretend as much as possible for sure. I agree with you on that. The 25% is really good. I like that you actually get a chance to break. A lot of the scenarios, they sort of take that whole courage aspect out of it. So I like that that's included. My favorite part is that it encourages movement as much as any of these six scenarios. So it forces you to actually maneuver, to set up your forces, to go for the objectives. You could stay in a bunch and try and take out the force. But if they've got a couple lone guys on the objectives, you can potentially lose it. So you're actually forced to go after and hunt down people. And I think any scenario that encourages movement gets a thumbs up from me. Yeah, particularly point. like the uh, the way the objectives interact. The fact that the players get to place two down each anywhere on the table, so you can really pick and choose which parts of the table you wish to play your game on, which areas of the terrain you want to fight or hug next to, and which parts of the table more advantage you. So if you're playing elves, you're more likely to want to put objectives near woodland terrain. If you're say dwarves, you probably want to go near the rockier sort. Same with the goblins and stuff like that. That's a killer play with Gondor when you've got Faramir on a horse and you chuck one in a wood and then you just run around with Faramir keeping people off the objective. Because he's got woodland creature, he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys make some really good points, actually. I um I wasn't so hot on Domination, but over the past couple of minutes, you've actually made some really good points about it. <laughs> we aim Especially, to please. I mean, Lord of the Rings, you know, you can kind of say it's all a game mostly about position positioning. Domination yeah. really does kind of, yeah, as Jeremy said before, involve lots of movement and prevents a game that's really grindy where it's just shield wall against shield wall just yeah, mashing just each run other. Into combat. Yeah. But because you're set up in the middle, you can potentially do that if you want to, and there's one objective in the middle, so you can have that shield wall if you want, and because you're deploying across the short edge of the, a rectangular table, you can actually, if you've got a, I don't know, say an Urukai force or one of those ones that just wants to get in the face, you can just plough through, set up in the middle, put an odd crossbowman or a flag guy or a pikeman or a scout or whatever yeah. any guy in the back objectives and just try and push, the, push them off the middle lag rider berserker with the high courage usually is a good berserkers one. are good ones for it yeah and away you go so you've got you've got both ways to play it so you can sit there try and get the three objectives and, and grind out don't let them pass you or you can maneuver around try and get around the flanks and avoid the middle and and dodge outriders for rohan would be perfect for that actually because they they have the rohan whole... love this scenario this mm-hmm. is one of their favorite ones i actually there was a, a war zone number three, I think it was. I made a suicide trip to Sydney and I, I was taking a, I think it was a 500 point airborne force. So all foot soccer's in domination. Yeah. And I was playing against oh, Stephen Mead, I think his name is. That would be like, set it up was, on the objectives like, pretty much. Oh man. Well, it was, he, he was playing all mounted Rohan. Oh, it brutal. was, the, it was brutal is just an understatement. <laughs> like it was just so hard, but. I did kind of knuckle down and just try and... I mean, dwarves are good at just staying in oh, one place. and They're yeah. made to defend. Yeah. yeah. And it's what great. you have to do with the dwarves here is actually spread out the length of the battlefield, cop the charge at some point, and just sort of plow through and not let them pass you with the Rohan and just keep pushing them, keep pushing them, keep pushing them. Eventually, they might get through, but at least you can yeah, sort of like, force yeah. them to spread out, and dwarves like to spread oh. out. So it's a real tricky one for oh, a That's kind a of combat leading force. us down a path to a tactical kind of thing, though. That is. Sorry about that. I don't mean to pass on any knowledge. 
<laughs> Don't give us your tactics, well, Jeremy. One, one other thing I quite like about this scenario is the way the points sort of get upgraded, if you will. So you get one point for wounding a leader, but you then get more for killing him. And the same with break. If you break your opponent, you get some points, but you get more if you remain unbroken. The object- objectives are the same. You get one point for having more models next to an objective, but you get even more. You get three if there are no enemy models next to the objective. You got this drive to want to really clear models off the objective and really go hard at them but by the same token you've got lots of little things where you can just steal a couple of points back off your opponent limit their you know six four victory over you down to a six six one or a seven nil there's a lot of points available there by just taking those couple of points off them and with the way scaling is done at tournaments these days those couple of points can be a big deal definitely trev it's definitely uh, i mean over the past six months I've learned that it's not just about winning, it's about squeezing as many victory points as possible off that one scenario. And I think this scenario is well designed in that the objective is to capture the five objectives. That's your that's your main aim yeah. and the points reflect that. So you can get up to fifteen points for those objectives. Yeah. And there's only six points available for the leader kill and the break. Yeah. So you have to actually go for the objectives. You can't just sit there and, and fight out for the, the grind. You have to position yourself. Do you think a scenario like this is definitely made for more, I mean, you did say, you know, for a, a combat army, you're, you're not trying to mash together all the time, you do have different objectives, but at the same time, you're trying to balance that in terms of you want to get the enemy's models off that objective. So you do have to have combat sometime, obviously, in terms of that. But, I mean, it, what are your thoughts on that? It, it, you definitely have to be at combat. You can't avoid it totally unless you're a pure sort of throwing weapon avoidance army, which is... Wood elves. That, that, that can happen. They, they, they find it hard. And a, a canny player will force some combat. There's probably going to be some combats around the middle or else the, the side's yeah. going to give up that. That's a really good quirk with that scenario as well, is there's always one objective deployed in the center of the table. So you always know where at least one's going to mm. really be. Because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you place objectives and then you roll the yeah, table Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you've got the option. One's going to be, and you always know that if you hover in the center of the table and you hold that center one, you know you're going to get three at least three points for doing that. So you you got somewhere where you can sort of start to structure a plan off. And sometimes you can actually go heavy one side. So if you manage to put three objectives over one side, you can actually throw the enemy off. So either way, if you're a combat army, that can be a benefit because either you're sitting on four objectives potentially and they have to come at you. Or you're going to push your whole force into their objectives and they're going to have to guard them. So you're not going to know where they are anyway. So you can do things like that where you can throw it offside a little bit and see how you go. The objectives set up in this game is also another layer of strategy because, again, you get to see the terrain on the table before you mm-hmm. place objectives. So you can set up your objectives to favor your army if you're a woody kind of woods favorite army like Wood elves, or, right? Yeah, wood elves, or, or, or just elves in general. Yeah, yeah, or, or like um, difficult terrain, like here, yeah, your Gondor, Gondor, Ithilien guard. Ithilien guard. That's the one. Sorry, mm-hmm. thank you, Trav. Or dwarves with their rocky terrain, ignoring ranges as well. Spiders, spiders, yes, yeah, yeah, spiders too. Yeah. Whereas if it's something like cavalry, you might put some objectives in a shallow water and yeah. challenge them to go at them. Terrain. Yeah, because yeah. then they have to swim, whereas your cavalry don't. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's also kind of cool. Yeah, knock him over in the water. And yeah. I think that... Blowing my mind. <laughs> I think that's what it really makes this, at least at tournaments, have such a high level of strategy is that you get to... The players get to pick what parts of the table they want to use. But you can also squeeze the table down and make it bigger depending on where you place it. Because I know a couple of tricks I've seen with some of the smaller 
armies that really want to get in there is they make sort of like a 12-inch triangle. They use the middle one as one point, and then they push the objectives as close to the middle as they can so that they park themselves in the middle of that triangle and contest all three objectives at one go. It's yep. a trick that works quite well, but by the same token as well, I've seen Rohan players push them as far away as physically possible so they can get the best benefit from they having their They can spread out their 20-odd yeah. cavalry guys. And... That, like, most armies, Rohan armies are running like Urkenbrand and stuff, so they carry five across the table, vanguards and all that other stuff as well. Do you think this is the most strategically rich scenario? Yeah, easily. easily. Out of the six? Yeah. Yeah, I think so because of the way, the, the points there and just the, the fact that you've got five separate objectives you have to manoeuvre to get, so that's a lot to guard if you can't do that. You could give up a couple, but then you're giving up points. You've yeah. also got to either go for their leader or protect your own, so a bit of both, mm. and you want to break the opponent as well as not, not break yourself. yourself. So yeah. you've got three separate things you're doing, but then the objectives are at five different locations. So yeah. you've got so many things to consider that there's a lot of things that can go wrong. There's a lot of you could go for everything. Do. You could go yep. for the 20 points and then absolutely lose everything, or you can be conservative and try and just win, but that's risky as well. So it's, I think there's a lot of choices in there, which is always good. And as, as Trav said before, you've got a, sorry, Charles, you've got a really clear end point too. No, yeah. You've got like a, a limited amount of dying you can do before <laughs> you can uh, that's right. win. That's why I think for a beginner, it's actually really hard to balance the domination in terms of going, well, how many of my models can die before I take that objective? Is it worth it t- trying to take that objective when I've already got, you know, two, one over here, you know? I think that comes down to experience as well, and it's why I tell a lot of the younger or newer players simply just to play games. Mm. You get, you learn these things and learn how models interact and how much certain troop types can take and how those troop types take objectives simply by playing the game. You just keep playing the game over and over. It doesn't even have to be domination all the time. But once you start to work out the capabilities of your army and what troops you've got, and even you as a player, you tend to start to think a bit more broadly and you start to see things that weren't always there. The other thing, it's very tricky for a new player because they actually have to split their force at some point. If yeah, you have yeah. your force together as a sort of ball, it's so easy to avoid. So you can. my favourite one is to deploy a little bit back, let them come at me and I just keep pulling back. Then I'll jump around the sides and flip the table on them. You do so the I've old bullhorns thing. Yeah, I suddenly yeah. got the back objectives and they have to fight through me to get back to the objectives and they don't expect that. And oftentimes they've set up set up this nice wall, they've got their soft stuff behind it, their tough stuff at the back, and I've just flipped that around. Yeah, yeah. With a couple marches or just a that's heroic like a, move. That's like here. a Roman tactic kind of thing. They used to use it when they were maneuvering their legions and get one. Is that an side. old joke? Are you saying the Romans taught me that tactic? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're Thanks, old. Thanks, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> 300 stuff. Well, we've talked a lot about what makes this scenario really good. Is there anything that makes it falter? Is there anything that you would change with this scenario? Is there any, Or anything that you would add? We need to insert a sound effect for crickets or um, <laughs> yeah, like tumbleweed yeah, yeah. or something there. So do you guys really think that this scenario is really, really, really solid the way it is and doesn't need to get changed at all? Is, in a word, almost perfect? Well, well I wouldn't call it perfect, but it was. it's pretty close to perfect, I think. Uh, there's not much I would change about it, if anything. But that's not to say I haven't had really bad experiences on it, which is... The reason why I would kind of be more down on it than, than up on it would be not because of the scenario itself, just because, well, I nice suck rolls. at the scenario. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I think it's more harder for the people that haven't played the scenario and have just read through it and yeah. like sort of thought about it. It's kind of counterintuitive in that you usually want to keep all your guys together, but the scenario makes you want to spread out, and that then in turn makes it harder for you to protect your leader. It makes you feel vulnerable. Yeah. It really does make you feel vulnerable. Yeah, like I always, whenever I'm playing this scenario, I always have to think about it no matter what my opponent is because it's really counterintuitive the way the scenario works. That's right. Because That's what makes it awesome in my mind because like you have to think. You have to really think hard about the scenario. Because it makes you, when you think about the basics of the game, it is counterintuitive. Yeah. You don't want to break your army up. Oh, well, I mean, you can maneuver, but break your army up to five different points on the map. You yeah. know, that's just, that's totally counterintuitive. Yeah. And you've got to learn to kind of be brave enough to try, well, if this doesn't work, that's okay. I can take it away for, you know, the next time I play Domination. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about the uh, the deploying right in the middle, how that's an obvious choice. To, uh, um, yeah, I, I think agree. I would like it so the dice roll meant you didn't always deploy the whole army in the middle because if you've got a combat army, you can avoid rolling that dice. I've got that little game at the start where you roll a one, two, three, you can deploy up where you have to deploy at the front. You roll a four, five, six, you can deploy anywhere. I think it would be interesting if you, you split that up. It was like one, two, three within the last 12 in the front, inches. In the front and four, five, six at the back. And yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that could be really interesting. We could try that one day. Yeah, the rectangle drawing in the book is an interesting one because a lot of people end up playing it on a square table. They don't indicate what size board to go on. A square is a rectangle. I believe that's uh, true, the but this FAQs is a recommend six by fours. I... Okay, well th that's interesting because the scale drawing they've got here is yeah. neither that or that. It's not quite yeah. quite right either way. A six yeah, by four is really interesting, like but it does change it up. If you play it on a an eight by four table, it's different. If you play it on a, a massive table, if you play it on a very small table, it's one that with the twelve inches, I wouldn't mind that scaling depending on the table size. So if you're playing on a small table, give you an option for that with closer distances. If you're playing on a big table, give it different ones and and spread them out. So you could be playing on a an eight by four, sorry, an eight by six table. So two six by fours together, and then say they've got to be no closer than eighteen inches. I think there could be some really interesting you could choices definitely there. Definitely work yeah. that in for sure. I yeah. think uh, one of the things that sort of irks me a little bit with the deployment side of it is the fact that it goes a long ways down the table. I'm not a big fan of the long ways down the table. So you've sort of got a two foot by three foot square or deployment yep. area as opposed yeah, fair to enough. a, uh, I think it's a, off the top of my head, a six by two. It does make it difficult if someone yeah. places an objective really far back and you have to yeah, move. It, it feels like they're trying to encourage you to play the table and then not encourage you to play the table at the same time. Because a lot of the time you see in this particular scenario, the objectives get deployed in that a square around the middle, sort of mm. the, the five point. Yeah, like the geometrical. Yeah. It looks like maximum. the number on a, yeah, the this, number this five on a, yeah, die. on a die. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It sort of ends up like that. And I think if you were playing lengthways across the table, it would open up a little bit more where you can place the objectives and skew to one side and break it up just a little bit more. I think this just I think that's all it really needs to to make it almost perfect. Could be really interesting if you found out which way you play after you've laid the objectives down. Yes, that could be So maybe not change the the go forwards, but you're playing long ways or short ways, you don't quite know which way. So mm. where yeah, you place like the objectives or along the table. Suddenly your objective that's placed really far away is in the deployment zone, so models can be holding it straight away and attacking it straight away. I remember when this scenario first came out, because there was also a domination in the old Legions books. It was um, similar, but not quite to the same sort of level as these ones. It had four objectives on there, and they were terrain features, and you had to hold three of them out of the four to, to win the game. 
Yeah, but to get like a crushing yeah, victory or whatever, have, you had to hold all, all four. four it was a very difficult scenario. It was hard. That's a tough ask. It was a huge tough ask, and to to pick a win up in domination back in the day was it was, uh, it was like a badge of honor. There was there was a, a tactic that worked on it, but you had to you had to be really careful with it, and it yeah. basically it was abandon your own and go for theirs and, and throw yeah. them off and you could you could do it but it was so tricky it was like run at the one diagonally across from your deployment zone because you're deployed in corners and it's, corners here yeah it was it was tricky i like the fact that they've taken sort of the lessons of what that scenario did and didn't do well and then sort of brought it back and sort of evolved it into what we have now yeah. because domination's been around for ages and even before legions there was dominations like it was like a domination-esque scenario back in like one of the last alliance campaigns out of White Dwarf. It's one of those ones that's sort of evolved as the time has gone on. Yeah, it oh, sort of first appeared in the Siege of Gondor book where they had yeah. the five objectives and you had to go push through and break through and get them and they've tweaked it ever since. It's been, always been a, a bit of a mainstay and I think this is the best version of it so far. Agreed. Which is a really positive thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It shows that the, uh, the scenario designers are sort of learning, which is good. <laughs> it's always good to learn, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Domination is always one of those ones where I, most of the time, I think a scenario like Reconnoiter would be the biggest scenario where it would encourage movement or maneuverability. Cav, lots of heroic marches. But the more that I have played those two scenarios in particular, Domination is more, is, is more based on maneuverability than Reconnoiter even. I agree. And constant mm. movement throughout the game, whereas yeah. Reconnoiter, you're going in one direction. And we'll talk about that on a future scenario. Can you spotlight, that band, sure. please? Can we not mention that band, please? Okay, sorry, can you repeat that? One Direction. Can we not mention oh. them? <laughs> ah, I get it. I'll be honest, that went completely over. Yeah, I was thinking Reconnoiter. <laughs> I don't know that. Is that a French <laughs> band? What are you talking about? It's because you said band. It's ruining completely. I thought it was good. Clearly, you're the only one. No, oh, there'll, there'll be someone. There'll be someone, someone else. I am and I really, I feel sorry for our One Direction fans, which, which I know there are numerous ones. <laughs> I heard the Sydney scene is big One Direction, Direction fans. fans. Into this cast. I'd be surprised. But anyway. Oh, maybe if we put in the title, then we might get some. That could increase our listenership from one. <laughs> <laughs> that was me, I admit. <laughs> A particularly bad experience I had was, was my first Arcanicon, I believe. Was and, that the uh, first one or the second one? I think it was the first one, yeah. Yeah, the one back in uh, Collingwood. Yep. That's the yep. only one That's I've been to. I was playing uh, an interstate, uh, Lachlan, I believe Lachlan name Johnson. Was. was it on day one or day two? Day two. That would be the reason. Yep. Yeah, Lachlan kicked his games into overdrive on day two. He just, yeah. he was, I was like, this guy's a really good player and I'm playing at the end of the tournament when you should be matched up against yeah, someone. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know. But I took kind of a, a list that, I'd kind of put, I had like an Avenger bolt thrower in there, you know, just for funsies. Which Mad is, props. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Respect. It was, Respect. it was fun. It was fun, you know. Um, but, uh, this just goes to show that reading the victory points, the objectives, uh, if your scenarios is really important. I didn't realize, and I was a fairly new, you yeah. know, player that it wasn't, if you had no friendly, uh, sorry, no enemy models around an objective, you had friendly models with you got three victory points it didn't matter how many was there yeah. i had a full warp i had aerostor six spears with shields and six bows all on one objective and when, the rest yeah. of my and, and they were like that i sunk a lot of points like that was a fair amount of That's points until, it until, sounds until, like a lot of points yeah yep. and um i was like sweet that objective is like done 
and I didn't realize that I could have just left one or two. Two guys yeah. had, you know. But next time I played, I thought, right, learnt from that. Only left um, two two elves there. Cavalry came around the side and took the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they do that. So you know, you just yeah, it's one of those one of those ones. Yeah, you got you got It's one of those ones where you need to be paying attention not to what just you're doing, but what your opponent's doing as well. Because you are playing for the same points. There's there's twenty one points on twenty one yeah for both players, and both players are trying to grab those twenty one points. So you got to think about how your opponent's trying to get the points, and how you're going to stop them from trying to get the points. Because every point you take off them is a point you gain. Exactly. Yeah, true. Pretty, Pretty much, much, yeah. Yep. I think I went from 10-1 against Danny to um, 7-0 just by putting guys on his objectives and then running Berrigond over because he didn't have any guys on there and he was well, I think the, I think one the best, turn off getting guys there or something like that. Yeah. I think the best way to describe it is if um, you're holding three objectives and your opponent's holding two. So you've got a 9-6 game and your opponent manages to sneak one guy onto two of your objectives. Yes, you're holding more objectives, but you're holding him for less. Yeah. So suddenly yeah, yeah. your your six, uh, sorry, your nine four victory has dropped down to, you know, five, yeah, five six nine six. And if they w- kill your leader outright, that's yeah. uh, that's holding an objective for the whole game. So suddenly you play yeah. differently because you're, you're behind. Then the if they wounded your leader, it's a tie basically, or yeah. almost a tie. It's, it's that that's what, it's, how the points yeah, interact. So. It's 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 awesome. It does promote either that all in, you know, balls to the wall, I'm going for that objective or especially if if you know, if one of your heroes is um or sorry, if your leader is dead, you know, that approach of, well, I'm just gonna shuck everything into that into the one that I know that I can get. Or playing hyper conservatively where you try and protect your leader and yeah, like it's protect the objective. Yeah, just sort of turtle whole, up. Yeah. Hope they. Yeah. I think it gets yeah. quite interesting too when your uh, when your leader is someone like an Aragorn, a Boromir, a dragon. A yeah, dragon. yeah, the one you have to go all in on, and yeah. then that makes it yeah. very interesting. And what Jeremy was saying before about the the terrain features. I mean, you chuck in you chuck an objective in some water, or you chuck it near a ledge, or you chuck it. You know, I mean, are you allowed to if you have say like a three tier? Structure. Are you allowed to put an objective on the top of that? So long as it's flat, I believe it's okay. So long as it's like a legal place, because usually what I do in my tournaments, this is more of a thing for for TOs to put in their players' packs. Is so yeah, long note as that. The Tim, objective is flat to the table. It's fine. Yeah, so like you could put it on a second level flat building or in a building interior if you really wanted to be that yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. I certainly do. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's more about common sense Dick move. Um, than anything else. Simply for the fact that, okay, yes, we have models on bases, but you don't go putting your model, your ba- the base, you know, tilted up sideways, you know, hanging off. None of those video. days of blue tacking spiders to the side of buildings anymore, Trav. That never happened, and I was never one to do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> it is one of the only scenarios to let you place the objectives, I'm pretty sure. Yes. So, you know, I mean, in terms of... There are other scenarios that use objectives. That, yeah, that's um, right. They're preset objectives. Yeah, that's right. So that just adds another layer of yeah, you know, yeah, depth. Yeah. yeah, they don't actually specify placement rules there, so I think I think it's up to you to decide the terrain. I, I just went through the book. Maybe it's in the FAQ. I don't have that with me at the moment, but I think it usually a tournament organiser will declare it. If you're with a friend, you usually when you're declaring what the terrain is, you'll just say, yeah, where it. can I place the objective? Can I place it up the top of a tree that you can't climb? <laughs> no, that's probably not a bit not the fair. The eagles wow. can still hold land on because yeah. they're eagles. What was that story about 
Um, there was a Mumak and someone climbed a building and killed the commander on the top of the Mumak. Is anyone, that's a, that's, oh, I've heard that that's a famous the, um, story. Masters, wasn't it? Oh, that was, um. Like, don't place your Mumak next to a tall building. David's yeah, Mumak. Was, um, it was David the Mumak. Was it? Mumak. David yeah. had some of his Haradrim <laughs> shot out from his Mumakil, and then. He had a guy on a building, didn't he? He jumped he had across. Guys near the building, and then some of the guys from his army jumped back onto the Mumak. But, because the Mumak has a, a limit to the amount of models that are allowed to be in it, it's 13, 12 plus the commander. But when you take models off that, it frees up more space. So what happened was, he managed to do this daring rescue where some guys jumped onto the Mumak. But his opponent managed to sneak two guys on as well. And one, one warrior managed to carve his way nearly all the way up the lower, off, up the lower ring to the point where there was only four guys left in the, in the howdah. Classic. Well, they still have those rules where if you get your model, up at the top where the commander normally goes, you control the Mumak? Yes. Badass. Yeah, you almost got there. extremely difficult to do and requires some really poor play by your opponent to pull it Lots off. Lots of sixes in the game only from Legolas. Or some really well-designed terrain. Yeah. I think the only time I've ever seen it really sort of that rule being actively used is in a scenario from the old, uh, I think it's Palinor Fields. Yes, you're correct. Where you basically half the Haradrim army uh, turns good. So you have, it, it's a civil war type scenario. So you have Haradrim versus Haradrim, and the idea is you use one person uses their paint of Haradrim and the other person uses their. And you alternate own. deployment, you sort you of alternate. find out who you own, and yeah. you, you end up with both people in the Mumak and they're fighting on top of the Mumak. And if the the player who's not controlling the Mumak manages to fight their way up, they can end up taking over it. And is that actually a scenario? Yeah, Palinor yeah. Fields book, the original one, the one that was released just after the Siege of Gondor. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah the one Civil with war. the metal oh, knights of yeah. Olden. Yeah. Um, cool. The only two models. Knights of yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. It's extremely tense in that in the head in the head right there because um, that would be awesome with all the Mumaks no running into one another. <laughs> Yes, this has gone way off domination into. <laughs> yes, we went a bit sidetracked. I think. Uh, I think. It's, uh, I can't think of anything else really to touch on with domination. Do you guys uh, have anything else you want to add about domination? General. Final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. Um, why don't we just go around the table and just give a yay or a nay for the for the scenario? Or and a reason. Yeah, hmm. and a reason. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Charles, why don't we start with you? Well, I love it. It's probably my favourite scenario. Because, uh, yeah, it's so strategically deep. There's so much you've got to think about and keep in mind at all times. And it's really easy to sort of lose control of that. And it's a little bit swingy, but that's the way the scenario can be. I love it. Thumbs up. It's a points match game that makes you play to scenario type objectives. Yeah, it gets a, it gets a yay from me, a definite yay. It is, like I said, really strategically rich. But I, while I do say yay, it is a mixed bag. While I think it's... It's a really hard scenario to master. Agreed with... The hardest scenario to master, in my opinion. I agree with everyone else at the table here. Um, a very strong scenario. I think just as a general rule for the game, this is, is one of those sort of games that's easy to learn, hard to master. And I think this is one of those scenarios that really puts everything you know about the game to the test. And that's why I like it. Well said. So yeah, yay from me. Excellent. Can I read out the text again? That was fun. <laughs> yeah, there's a different version in there. I don't, do you have a different version? I'll read your version. Yeah, read this one. Okay. What's the one from the lead? The, the battlefield must be held. The army that controls this area will be at a distinct advantage in the days to come. Dominance here can only be achieved by driving the enemy back from several key points. 
failure is not an option. Is that the same? It's the same, it's, isn't it? No, there's some slight differences. Slight differences. <laughs> slight differences. That was domination. Well, thank you, Jeremy, and thank you, Charles, Jeremy, and Caleb for Cheers. joining us here on. Green yeah, Green thanks Green a lot. For Cheers, Trav. Thanks, guys. And uh, as always, guys. No, no, not for scenario spotlight. Let's be serious. What traps win games? <sighs> thank you for listening to the Green Dragon podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.